We can we can make the intro start from the point where we just now said that's an interesting intro, and I said I don't want to keep that in. Yeah, and all, okay, all of the okay. things I'm saying right now. Wow, that's we're living in the intro right now. Yeah, that's. How does that feel? I was gonna say meta, but only because I want to sound smart by using one of those terms <laughs> that everyone uses. Doesn't met isn't meta a term that sounds so smart? Why does it sound so smart? I think it's because it's used. Well, I mean specifically within philosophy. Say I don't know meta metaphysics or meta ethics yeah. is one level of one level higher right the field yeah. of study. So you genuinely do have to be smarter to understand what it's talking about. But I think also the type of people who are discussing it are the type of people to use terms like this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because either a they genuinely do think in very complex terms or b they think in complex terms but they're also aware that using these complex terms makes them sound so much so much more smart. Yeah, that's a fair point. So they're gatekeeping knowledge. <laughs> Do you think? Or maybe it's just Facebook's marketing campaign that's getting to us. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. Do you think that they chose that name based on that? Of course they did. Of course they did. The metaverse. Yeah, yeah just one level higher, right? It's yeah. one level higher, one level of abstraction. It's one level kind of beyond what traditional social media is. But I don't believe, I don't agree. I don't agree. <laughs> you're not, you're Mark Zuckerberg, you're... Mark's campaign's not working. You know what the funny? You know what the funniest part about it is? He doesn't believe anymore either. They kind of scrapped the whole metaverse thing. They put like what 21 billion in it. Okay, don't quote me on that. I don't know the number. Okay. I, I feel like now you know I need to know the actual figures, but yeah. I don't have my facts checked out on this. But what I do know is that they're scrapping it. So lots it. of money. Yeah, okay. lots of money, billions into it, and now they're scrapping it. Good riddance. Sorry. Moving, moving on you. to. I love you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to AI, actually, uh, Facebook now mainly as well. As everyone, as is the topic of the day, week, month, maybe the rest of our lives, <laughs> however yeah. short or long they may be. Oh, it's getting, it's getting dark. Yeah, it's getting dark. It's getting dark on like, oh, okay, it is actually getting dark outside here yeah, as well, as we sit here by the pool. And, okay, I think that was quite a conflated intro, but maybe now it's time to get into <laughs> I think... What yeah, we actually no, wanted to speak to about. Start discussing things. Yeah, I, I agree, I agree. So the, our main topic for today, actually, we were thinking of addressing the very fundamental question of why plan in life? That's like the sub, subheading. Why plan subheading in life at all? And I guess maybe the first thing that we should talk about in relation to that is what on earth does it mean to plan? What is a plan? <laughs> exactly, what is a plan? Because I feel like on, on an instinctual, like instinctive level, on an intuitive level, all of us have some idea of what planning is. But also I think that many people have different views of what it is. Because let's take a professional project manager, for example, uses Gantt boards and just all of this stuff constantly, has everything down to the minute, all the resources tracked. And then we have, you know, your regular regular person who just writes some notes down every now and then on a paper and this actually I think raises a very interesting question we can get on to later it's just a slight teaser of what's the perfect middle ground between the two of just writing one thing down every year versus having everything tracked in a minute what's the middle ground what's the ideal complexity of plan for most people but before we get to that why don't you tell me what you consider a plan to be well I think your use of in life as a subheading is quite important because generally a plan is just someone formulating an intended 
sequence of actions that they take with some sort of objective in mind. Mm-hmm. And so people do it intuitively without, uh, unconsciously without thinking. Yeah. Like when I go to the toilet, my mind's running through the plan of how to relieve myself. And the project manager, yeah. they, they do it consciously a bit more explicitly. So I think generally planning can apply to everything, but your use of in life, I think it was quite important because it's, well, it, fo- it, fo- it provides us with some sort of focus, some sort of realm in which we can really talk about planning. Cause yeah. Because it's so general, it makes sense for us to talk about it in life. And I think when you think about planning in life, it's about thinking of your life's direction, creating some sort of, setting some sort of goal, goals for yourself, whatever they may be, and a plan of action, mm-hmm. so a sequence of steps and how you achieve that. Yeah. That's, you raise a very good point there, and I, I like that you brought that up, which is that... What, relieving myself? What? <laughs> maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Well... Sorry, sorry. That actually is maybe not the best thing to bring up. Okay. <laughs> no, no what, I, what, I, what I meant was, I think that it's a very important thing to acknowledge that all of us do it intuitively all the time. Mm. And th- therein lies a very important fact, which is that we can't escape planning no matter what we do. And the project manager and the person just planning out their own personal life, they do it in a different way. But all of this stems from this seemingly very fundamental skill slash need slash habit of us humans to create the model of the world and then to take that model and build a sequence of events on top of it that we expect to help us achieve some goal. And as you said, yeah, we do it intuitively all the time. Basically, everything we do, we have some sort of subconscious plan at least. But now, why... And I'm, I'm going to ask this as a question to you. Why do you think it's important to bring it from the realm of subconscious planning to the realm of explicit planning? Not necessarily to the extent of that professional project manager, but just in life as well, in personal life. Okay, so I just want to add a clarification so that we don't end up giving you a tautology or um, so when we say you can't escape all planning I think we need to prove the mutual exclusivity of you can't also escape life planning because obviously you can't explain you can't escape you know the just the unconscious planning yeah, yeah. me thinking oh I'm thirsty I'm going to go to the kitchen that's my objective and subconsciously thinking okay how am I going to do that? I'm going to walk up those stairs yada 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 but I think what we're really talking about is planning in your life. And I think that the idea that you can't escape that type of planning also applies because I think we're just purpose-driven beings. And I mean, this could be this, this could, I could sit here for five hours talking about uh, trying to prove that we are purpose-driven beings, but I think it's intuitive enough for us to kind of just assume mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And then say from that people we tend to create a plan for our lives and achieve some sort of goals. And I think the importance of making it explicit, and don't worry, I will answer your question. I will answer your question. Um, I don't doubt it. I think the importance of making it explicit is, well, so that A, you know that you're working, A, you know what you're working towards, B, you know that it's something good to be working towards, and C, you can then find the most effective means of achieving it. Mm -hmm. So it's not only just about being efficient, 
uh, most effectively achieving your goals. Actually, I don't like the words of efficiency and all that because it's very, it's very corporate. It's very it has technical. a lot of connotations. Yeah, it has like to, yeah. very negative connotations of yeah. you sitting in a room planning every single second of your life, but that's not actually the case. Yeah, and like squeezing everything. Squeezing yeah, exactly, exactly. your time to achieve your goals. Um, but I think effective is just, just, just a good word despite mm -hmm. the uh, despite the connotations because it just means using less energy, less resource, less time to achieve the same goal because all this time, energy, resource can be used to furthering your own well-being. But let me just provide a proper response to the question. It's important to make everything explicit because so you know what goal you're working towards, that is the goal you want and that it's effective. But I think yeah. specifically the second point of that it's the one you want is important because why as we grow up, we're socialized and we have certain values imposed upon us. And we tend, we, we, we ultimately think that these are our own values, whether they came from our parents, from school, just wider society, the media and stuff like that. They shape our conception of what we think is good in life and what we want. And so if you reflect and put these values into something explicit, then it prov provides you with the means of reflecting a bit more critically on them. Because if you always thought, Oh, um, if you intuitively just try to maximize the amount of money you have, if you kind of set that goal explicitly, then you'll start questioning, all right, is this the right goal? Because if you don't yeah. make it explicit, then you don't have like the mental means of actually being able to question it in the first place. I, I think that I would sort of generalize it by saying that you can't reflect on something in the most optimal way unless you to some extent move it outside of yourself and what i mean by that is as long as you don't make something explicit and i think language is a beautiful tool that allows us to do this and allows us to reflect on things in general in a very nice way because of this property that it gives us this ability that it gives us as i make a goal explicit and even if i make it explicit by just stating it very clearly in my own head but more so when i write it down it's sort of like I'm taking this intuitive feeling that I have within myself, and we can talk about this later as well, because in the end, our fundamental goals come from a place that we can't really describe. It's this feeling, this deep want, this mental motivator that guides us towards them. But I feel like the process of writing your goal down and explicitly defining it is sort of like taking that feeling that you have within yourself and encapsulating it in those words, encapsulating it in that definition which then, as you said, gives you the ability to look at it as something other than yourself. And now, even the language that I'm using, right, I'm looking at my goal. I can only look at my goal if it's explicitly defined as something that I can look at as something outside of myself. And that's where the beginnings of the benefits of making your goals explicit start coming from. It's this ability to put it outside of yourself, which then allows you to reflect on it, to not only reflect on it yourself, but also show it to others, get feedback on it. And also, the thing that I think is maybe uh, the most novel in today's world that we live in, also to not have to keep it within yourself at all, thanks to technology and me actually even mediums like pencil and paper being able like they can help you keep that in mind for you and keep the definition written down, the exact words, the exact way that you thought about it in your best state. Because I think, yeah, with goals, 
with goals it often happens that we think we understand what we want when we feel good when we feel energized when we feel rested and then at another moment when we're stuck you know doing work or just just not feeling good didn't sleep well woke up on the wrong side of the bed whatever didn't relieve ourselves at the correct time as as you would say then wow not necessarily i wouldn't say that all the time (laughs) then what happens is that the goal the intuitive feeling fades the intuitive feeling that you can use in that moment of strength to explicitly define your goal in a way that truly reflects your best version of yourself and your best understanding of what you want in life, that intuitive feeling can fail. And that's why it's important to take that goal in the moment where you have that feeling in the highest of qualities and get it outside of yourself so that you could take it back within yourself later on, yeah. It's if, if that terminology makes sense. Yeah, I think what you've just done is further expanded upon the third benefit of planning I outlined, which was specifically being more able to achieve your goals or at least being able to achieve them in a more effective way because when i raised that i was getting more at if your goal is explicit you can then sit down and come up with a series of actions you need to take to achieve it and if you make those that list of actions explicit you can then compare it to different series of actions different ways of meeting that goal but i think you provided an alternate interpretation of this effectiveness which is the motivation you have in the moment that actually moves you to take those actions in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I think you're right, if you write your goal up, you have that physical reminder, which obviously it's not guaranteed to give you the kick up the arse you need yeah. to get to you know go out and achieve your goals, you know, take those actions yeah. you need to take. But I think it's so much better than having some habit in your head because obviously your mind is less explicit, less mental. It's fluid, and, it's fluid yeah. and it changes. and having your goal explicitly defined it gives you this anchor point that you can anchor yourself your motivation accountability. to accountability towards yourself and also towards others it's if you staring share at you Sorry. exactly it's staring at you <laughs> we're all staring at every no but i think yeah what what you just said right now about if you have it written down it gives you the ability to break it down into clear steps that's so important because not having your goal explicitly defined sort of handicaps you from the very start if we're talking about the whole process of planning and the process of you know systematically achieving your goals if you don't have your goals explicitly defined you can't really do any part of that process can you you can't define precise actions that you should be doing every day in order to optimally move towards where you want to be if you haven't defined where you want to be yeah and that's why that's the core beginning of all of it, in my, in my head at least. Yeah, I think, yeah, we talk quite a bit about the effectiveness that it brings you. And that assumes that you value this effectiveness, which is achieving your goal better, more quickly. And the assumption here is that that frees you up, frees up resources, which you can then use to achieve other goals. Mm-hmm. And the tangible benefit you get from this is physical well-being, mental well-being, self-actualization, and all of that. Yeah. But I think more tension, I think we should also uh, just focus a bit more on uh, another aspect. I think it's a second point of understanding whether this goal is right for you. I think one of the reasons why making goals explicit and explicit so that you can critically reflect on them is so that you can actually think for yourself and, or at least think for yourself a bit more because on a philosophical level I'm not quite sure to what extent 
we have free will and all of that. But mm-hmm. that's just like that's another rabbit hole we could get into. Um, but I think the key to living life your way is choosing your goals and choosing them in such a way that you really do think that they reflect your own values or at least you choose them after a rational reflection upon what you think is valuable in life and whether these goals reflect that. And I think the reason why this is important because the key harm of not doing this is letting society, letting your parents, letting everyone set goals for you. And this is where we link back to the fact that we intuitively do this sort of planning and goal setting all the time, right? Yeah. Which is, I don't think, I think that the vast majority of people do have some goals that they're working towards. I mean, I think everyone does. Yeah, pretty much, right? Even if your goal is not to have some sort of goals, even for these specific types of people who like to, they're the type of people where you say, oh, I just like to go with the flow. Yeah. They're still intuitively finding the optimal means of going with the flow. Exactly. So they're seeking some sort of, if they need money, some sort of employment that gives them a lot of leisure time. Yeah. They're seeking living in a location that provides them with means of chilling. The moment you have any sort of desire, you have a goal. Yeah. And the amount of people who live without any sort of desire, I mean, maybe we have one <laughs> sitting here. Wow. <laughs> Crap. Crap. That's, I don't know. That's, that's really bad. For the... What's bad? Well, that's really bad. What is bad? We're just evil desire-filled beings. Yeah, maybe, maybe, he, we would, just, maybe he would say that to us, but... Yeah, um, I feel a bit awkward now. Well, honestly, I feel like maybe maybe it's time that we move past being afraid of desire or ashamed of it, rather. Oh, no, no, I was really talking about having Buddha watching me. Yeah, but I mean... It's not watching me, but like, the reflection. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that I don't think we need to be ashamed for not, for not following what he would say in the sense that like not to the T and why why I say that is because I sort of feel like well just just for clarity what does he say (laughs) let's not (laughs) okay what what I'm talking we'll get back to goals and all of that we just need to finish this tangent no 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 what I was what I was specifically referring to right now was the whole process of getting rid of desire Okay. So uh, I think that the term used in Buddhism is, Buddhism is dukkha uh, or sukha. I don't, sorry, I don't remember the exact uh, the exact word. Yeah. But the the part of that philosophy which deals with getting rid of desire, well, the fundamental problem with that that comes up in the literature a lot as well, is that trying to get rid of desire is a goal and desire in and of itself. So I don't think. At least the way that I interpret Zen Buddhism, let's say. I wouldn't say that the goal is to get rid of desire. I think that it's rather to rather to realize that you can't get rid of desire, accept that fact, find it fun, and then move on to build your own desires. And I have a nice way of visualizing this that I sometimes use, which is like a lot of people, and you know, linking back to what you said about the danger of letting others define your goals for you. I think that a a lot of the people who live their life this way, you can visualize it as like, they're trying to catch a ball their entire life. 
but they don't even know exactly what the ball looks like, how big it is, how to catch it, or where it is, for that ma matter of fact, because they have some vaguely defined goals by society, their parents, that they have intuitively inherited because we can't not have these goals. And I visualize these people as trying to grasp an ill-defined ball somewhere around them that they're lost looking for. Now, I think the whole point of these like, philosophies of getting rid of desire is to realize that you don't need to have a ball in that sense to catch and that ball that others have defined for you is doesn't have any necessarily like physical reality it it only exists in your head and what that does metaphorically for me how i visualize it is that now i have the ball in my hand and now as i set the goal for myself fully autonomously knowing that okay yeah, well, we can't get rid of societal influences and genetical influences yeah, completely, yeah. obviously, but as autonomously as I can, saying, okay, I truly do feel that this sort of life is the life that I want to lead. What I'm doing then is I'm taking the ball back and I'm throwing it, but I, now I know where it is. And now it's a game of getting the ball and throwing the ball, and that's really all that life is. It's like, I think that desire is not something to get rid of, but something to master, rather. And I think there's an important, diff important difference there, because... If, if you mask the desire, yes, you could theoretically go and sit and meditate and do nothing. But I just don't think that that's as much fun as setting valuable, like fulfilling goals and going after them and achieving them. I think that's the most fun way to live life there is. And this, it's actually very relevant. It links back to the question, why plan? Because it's a justification for why set goals in the first place. And if we justify setting goals, that's the first step towards justifying why we should plan. Yeah, I mean, this takes us into, I mean, we could take this conversation into a different type of territory, because so far we talked about what making goals, the benefits of what making goals explicit is, and that was kind of the answer to what planning is. Yeah. And it's more effectively achieve it, um, through motivation or being able to actually compare different ways of achieving it. Also, one of the other main benefits of be being able to live your life as independently as you can, whereby independence we would define as setting goals which you genuinely feel are yours and that you've gained after rational reflection. But I think perhaps we could also just because um, you started getting into like, the philosophy of things. Yeah. Maybe also addressing the, to really just bring out the benefits of planning and throw a bit more argumentative weight onto the premise, which was we are all purpose-driven beings. Yeah. Why don't we just consider certain objectives? Like, you know, the, the typical nihilist one of, well, what's the point of doing anything? Yeah. Well, because surely that's the main objective to planning. I think, there are a few more, but... Yeah, I think that links pretty well to what I was just talking about right now as well. And it's... If you ask the question of why would you do anything, I don't think that any person who ever asked this is actually not doing anything themselves. So I kind of find that question meaningless and hypercritical. Right. What I mean by that is, if I am sitting here now and telling you, ah, why plan, why set any goals at all, why would you do anything at all? This, is, this can only be authentic, this question, if I am already 
living my life doing nothing at all. But it's much more likely that I'm asking that question, also having a goal in my head, probably subconsciously in that case. Probably the goal would be something like also bringing you into my philosophy so that I wouldn't feel so alone in my purposelessness and meaninglessness. <laughs> probably. Uh, or, you know, I don't want to be reductionist towards nihilism, but... Uh, but let's say, to protect myself, I'll say, save for the most true nihilist out there, the few of them, most people who say, eh, why would you do anything, are actually doing something very goal-driven themselves. It's just, as you said, it's the goal of trying to live without the goal, which is a paradoxical thing to think about, but is way more common, actually, than, than you would think. There's a lot of people who, due to not understanding the power of setting high-quality fulfilling goals, and due to not having practice and precedent of doing that explicitly and achieving them, actually have gotten stuck with the like subconscious and... It's sort of like they don't realize this goal explicitly, but the goal that they are following now is to avoid goals at all costs. But that is still a goal. They're still living according to the purpose. If someone were to come and say, okay, I will give you now a 10-hour lecture on how to effectively set goals, they would immediately say no. Why would they say no? Because that wouldn't be goal-driven behavior according to their goal. So I would say that the objection, the nihilist objection of why do anything at all, I would... <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like I'm, ki- so I'm kind of not actually you question the extent to which people would generally people who profess to believe it genuinely would f- would act upon it firstly because I'm using I'm using the sidestep of saying that you can't not do anything at all and the people right, who okay. bring that objection up are not don't actually believe it and it doesn't actually mean anything so I'm not I'm not quite taking your argument on head first right. but I'm sort of sidestepping it by saying that I think that it's a it's, it's sort of a meaningless question because I, I would I would reply with the question of can you not do anything at all or is it just a question of how high quality your doing is yeah. well and I also think a lot of I think, and this is kind of a bit more illustration of how we're purpose-driven beings. At the most basic level, you still have that biological urge to survive. Yeah. And so that will lead you to take some sort of actions. Exactly. Set even like unconscious goals that enable you to sustain yourself. Yeah. And I think um, this is a, I think it was Peter Singer who raised this objection to that kind of, you know, uh, nihilistic, that nihilistic idea um, of, you know, is everything meaningless? And specifically, and this is part of the objection we haven't discussed, it's all meaningless because we're going to die anyways. Mm. So this is taking the first objection, providing a bit, we're a bit, providing it with a bit more strength. Yeah. But then Peter Singer would say, I think he did say, like, sorry if he didn't. Like, that's disgraceful on my part. Um, I should fail my philosophy, my philosophy <laughs> more. Just. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what you said is, you said, okay, fine. Imagine there's a baby in front of you and it's crying because it's hungry. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, oh, the baby's going to die anyways. It's just going to, so I won't feed it. No, you will feed it. And that's because specifically the objection, if it's premised on the idea that we're going to die anyways, it's taking the wrong, it's treating your life and kind of evaluating it using the wrong time frame. Yeah. You're saying on the grand scheme of things, 
uh, we're meaningless, we're going to die anyways, we're going to turn to dust. And I think also Jordan, Jordan Peterson raises this idea of choose the right time frame. And that's in specific, refu- specific rebuttal to that formulation of the nihilistic argument. Yeah, and I think, it's, I think a time frame is one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is the fundamental question of where does a goal and where does a purpose come from? And I feel like people who raise this objection of, oh, we're all going to die someday anyways, the universe is going to achieve heat death and nothing will ah! exist. No, no, no. <laughs> I think the people who use that as an excuse for, or like as a way of objecting against the feeling of meaning, the people who do believe in meaning, uh, intrinsic meaning in life, I think they're misunderstanding the fact that a goal and purpose as a concept only exists within a living being, as far as we know. Uh, or at least in the sense that we understand. And now all the people who say the universe has a purpose are going to come attacking me. I'm not, I can't confirm nor deny that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, yeah. but if, if the universe has a purpose, then the purpose is a very different type of purpose than the one that we're talking about here in the context of ourselves. So I don't think we should even have that discussion because we can't even claim to understand it looking at how we're such a small part of it ourselves. But anyways, looking at the fact that the the type of goals and purpose that we're talking about only exists within ourselves, I don't really even see how it makes sense to compare what the what's going to happen after we're alive. Or like I don't see how it makes sense to use death to justify Not something that only exists when you're living or like an oh, action okay. that you can only do. You see what I mean? I, it's, I, I'm kind of having a hard time of putting it into words, but right. But saying we're going to die anyway, so what's, what's the meaning of it? It's like saying oh, it's so, going to yeah, end okay. anyways. Why, why would it start? It's like <laughs> and, the, and the implication is that it doesn't matter because when we die, not, we won't exist and anything that we would have created will not have existed and so it's undermining that kind of I think it's it's latching onto that kind of deep human desire to leave some sort of value behind because and I think the motivation for that is asserting your personhood asserting your mm-hmm. existence it's that feedback it's that validation you want that we all crave right and that what you're trying to say is that meaning purpose is fundamentally something associated with us when we're living so it's kind of confined to the realm of the living yeah therefore there's no point exactly evaluating it from a perspective from a different perspective that is different to that it's, it's meaningless in that yeah. as a living yeah. being Exactly, exactly. I, I like that way of putting it. And I also think this brings us to a very interesting topic of momentary goals versus, uh, versus, versus time, time goals. Or, uh, what, okay, what, as what's in, the so, definition? So, so the different type of goals. Versus but process just, just goals, quickly, yeah. I think there's one more objection that we need to deal with. So we dealt with like the more fundamental ones, which deal with the idea itself of planning. So the general nihilistic one of there's no point to anything and specifically there's no point to anything because we're going to die what about the other one 
which I think is more you're more likely to hear is there's no point planning because everything's so uncertain. My life is changing. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I am very likely to hear that. I keep hearing that almost every day from different people in different contexts. But to me, that one makes very little sense as well. And I would deconstruct it by relying on what we already talked about in the beginning, which was that we already con everyone constructs some sort of plan all the time in their head. And I think that's really the key to understanding why this objection is not very high quality. Because if we are already, if we already have some intuitive plan within us all the time, Okay, now I'm gonna. I'm first gonna hit the objection. Like I'm gonna kind of straw man it first, and then I'll steel man it to make it stronger, and then Damn. and then destroy that as well. <laughs> or at least I let's hope. Just, let's just copyright that phrase. <laughs> I'm gonna steel man it. I'm gonna deal with the logic. I'm gonna deal with the argument. I think it's a commonly used phrase, isn't it? I've heard it a lot. Then, like maybe I just okay, be living under a rock. Maybe, maybe, or on a rock, as we all do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so the easy way of attacking this objection would be to say you have some sort of intuitive plan anyways So just make it better by making it explicit due to the reasons that we already outlined why an explicit plan is better uh, And then constantly update it keep it agile now yeah, agile. agile. I was yeah. waiting for that word to come out. Yeah, buzz, buzzword, right? <laughs> Views go up. <laughs> Headline. Agile. Stick it. Stick it in as a title. Exactly. Exactly. Agile. Agile. But the actual stronger form of that objection, I feel like, is the objection of. Yes, I can make my plan better by making it explicit, but due to the fact that it is so fluid in nature and uncertain in nature, and everything keeps changing. If I make my plan explicit, that is a that is a very real resource like effort that goes into it. It takes time, yeah, yeah. it takes uh, energy. You have to do the planning. You have to do the explicit making of the plan, <laughs> whatever the word is for that. Uh, and the real valid valid objection here is that if everything is uncertain and I have to update and completely redo my plan every every day then that's just an inefficient way of doing things. Maybe I maybe it's a better resource trade-off to have a slightly less optimized plan, yeah, but yeah. to not waste a number n of hours every day making it explicit. That's a very valid question because that actually addresses the real resource trade-off that exists here. Now, why I don't think that that is valid is simply because you don't have to make your plans down to the minute as the professional project manager does that we were talking about in the beginning right you can make your plans by defining things that are more uncertain in more uncertain terms leaving more room for um, flexibility, flexibility exactly so what would this look like with a specific example of a goal okay so let me think of a specific example we could say for example that my goal is to have a beautiful house on top of a hill in a warm country like this one for example Damn. No flags. <laughs> and let's say that I consider it to be uncertain which country I will be able to be in or I want let's say I consider it to be un uncertain that I will be able to be in any specific location due to I don't know let's raise any number of huge global issues right global warming war I don't know I, I, I'm just uncertain about where I can be in 20 years uh, yeah. on a or your mother physically prevents you from <laughs> living in a different country. For example, 
let's say I'm uncertain about my geographical location location freedom in a long time yeah. frame. I can then say that when my goal is to have that house, I can break it down into have a location chosen, have enough resources to build that house, yeah. and know what I want that house to be like, for example. And I can leave that sub goal of that main goal of having a location chosen as simply that if, if I know that if I know that I can't take there is action that I could take, I could, you know, make a model of the geopolitical situation on Earth and try to use that to predict what's going to happen in 20 years, right? There are theoretical steps I could take, but let's say that I, I think that this is the place where there's too much uncertainty for it to be worthy of planning. Fine, just leave it as that circle and deal with it later. But take that other part of having enough resources to build that house, break that down into, I need to build this company, I need to complete this project, I need this much money, blah, blah, blah. Find that place in your goal that isn't uncertain and leave everything else as uncertain as needed. That's sort of my practical objection to that objection to why plan. And it's... So that you can model this uncertainty. You can account for this uncertainty when you're making goals. Exactly. A plan does not need... A plan can contain uncertainty. That's what I'm trying to say, basically. A plan okay. can contain a certain amount of contained uncertainty as far as you know that i am consciously and purposefully leaving this part of the plan uncertain because i think that it makes it's a better resource yeah. trade-off to deal with that later then that's that okay you work towards kind of making it less uncertain exactly that's okay and you can yeah you can that's another thing you can do you can take steps towards making it less less uncertain but if the only thing sometimes sorry Sometimes the only th only step you can take towards making it less uncertain is to wait. Yeah. But that's actually already also adding an action to a sub goal. That's already saying, okay, I'm going to do the specific step of waiting 10 years, then deciding where I want to live. You don't have to you don't have to model the things that are uncertain in in terms that sort of like try to squeeze some sort of yeah. expected understanding of what a certain plan should look like out of them. No, I think it's about embracing that uncertainty because if you do that, if you embrace that uncertainty, that allows you to focus on the things and yeah. find the things that are certain, the things that you do know you need to do. And the, what I mean, what's the end goal of planning, right? It's action. It's to find out what you need to do in order to move closer to where you want to be. So yeah, to summarize, I don't think that the objection of everything being too uncertain is a valid one because that objection assumes that there's a standard of certainty that the plan needs to meet. Whereas that's not the case, that the only standard of certainty that your plan needs to meet is the best that it can be. There's no yeah, yeah. no overall, I mean, overall standard. Yeah, it's cool. I'd just like to add two things, actually. Firstly, I think there's actually a precedent. A precedent. Not a president like Donald Trump, a president. <laughs> One of those words that you just struggle to understand. Or at least I said you because I like to think everyone else does. And it's not just me. There's a precedent <laughs> for waiting being deemed a good thing. Do you remember reading Anti-Fragile by Talent? Yeah, of course. His specific chapter on uh, iatrogenics and uh, the benefits of procrastination. Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. talks about it specifically in the context of dealing with like medical issues yeah, 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 I remember. in that you know the current culture of you have to find a solution 
quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have a sore arm, perhaps waiting and you know just letting the pain go away through a natural process that's probably just entails going about your everyday life and the muscles slowly loosening up. Yeah. Instead of doing that, pursuing surgery, pursuing that quick fix, right? So I just wanted to raise that and say that I think it's important to change the way you perceive waiting because in kind of the very, in the dynamism of the modern world, we're all seeking efficiency, we're seeking optimization, and naturally that leads to a very fast pace of life. And I think that that has also led to people thinking that waiting and leaving things for a better time um, has almost become, you know, a bad thing. And that's also probably why, that's probably one way of understanding that objection in that the assumption of the, behind the objection is that, oh, why plan if everything's uncertain? And the assumption here is that my plan has to contain a very high level of certainty, mm-hmm. right? And so I think just changing the way you see things, changing, I think that's, that was a really important addition, just changing the way you see planning is not necessarily having to have a great deal of certainty, just a workable amount of certainty. Mm-hmm, exactly. And specifically the thing of waiting, how that can actually be a good thing. Yeah. But I think also on a deeper level, I just like to take this idea of changing the way you see things to kind of wrap, wrap up your answer. I think planning can be understood uh, you creating, say you create a plan which entails what you want to achieve in your life. You could perhaps create some sort of unified goal or your one purpose. I want to do X. I want to bring value to others by doing something specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I want to build a software company. I want to yeah. create a global charity or something like that. Or perhaps you regulate it by category. So this is my career goals. These are my family goals. These are my fitness goals. Regardless, um, I think you need to perceive a helpful way of overcoming this objection is change the way you see things. Instead of seeing planning, the act of creating plan, the act of setting all those goals as something that's fixed, that once I set this goal, I have to achieve it, mm-hmm. but rather viewing this plan as your best current understanding exactly. of where you want to go in life. Because naturally, as you gain more experiences, your values, your thinking will change, and naturally, your goals either will change radically or they'll become Simply slightly different, a bit, yeah. slightly more refined. Yeah. Maybe if you use the goal of the house, yeah. you might figure out where you want to go. Maybe you don't necessarily care about the house, you just want to live in a specific, a place with these specific characteristics, right? And so I think changing the way you see planning helps you overcome that common objection, which I think that's what I had myself, and it wasn't until yeah, I remember. we started yeah. discussing yeah. this, and that slowly, by thinking this way, I actually was able to plan better and plan with a bit more confidence and think, okay, yeah, sure, I'll set these goals because it's better to be moving in some direction than no direction because in moving in a direction, I'll get closer to what I ultimately think I would, is. I would like to specify that. It's not necessarily better to move in some direction than no direction but it's better to move in your best current understanding of the right yeah. direction yeah. than to move in no direction. Because no matter how lost we are at any moment, I truly do believe that some, like we always have some idea of at least like a sliver 
of where where we want to be in the future. And it may be short term, it may be long term. For some people, it, they may not see too far into the future. But we always, I think that's just the way well, that I mean, we're I built. <laughs> too far into the future? Yeah. Yeah. And Wish that's I was okay. a wizard. <laughs> Me too, man. But just imagine walking around with a one thing. That links back to our initial Harry Potter intro, but that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, All but right, we, okay. we deleted that already. Point being, I don't... Th- I think that we are just built in a way that we always have some understanding of what the right direction is for us. And as you said, it's important to change our understanding of what planning is from... the f- Planning is not something that you do for the purpose of having a nice thing to look at, a nice specific thing to look at. I mean, it feels at. good, but... Yeah, yeah, it feels good and that could be your Until goal. Until you have to change it. Until you have to change exactly. it. Exactly. Then you don't want to. Exactly. Then you don't. And I think that since our since the main like headline of our episode today is why plan, I'd like to answer that question from a slightly different perspective. Why plan? The purpose of planning, what, why do we plan, is in order to be able to take the most efficient action towards where we want to be. So that's like interpreting why plan differently rather than why should you plan, what's the purpose of planning, right? So if I interpret it in that way, and the answer to that I believe is we plan in order to be able to take the most effective action towards where we want to be. And if that is kept in mind, then that helps us sort of get out of the like mental masturbation loop that pe- some people have with regards oh, to planning I feel like <laughs> be boop <laughs> <laughs> no fuck it our podcast are oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean once Pandora opened the box exactly can, it's, you, you've opened the bloody uh, oh God, <laughs> no everything's filling out you've opened the box and now all the vices all the sins are going to come out point being that planning, we don't plan for planning's sake, unless that's your goal. Fine, always, you always have. Yeah, all, always have to put a, put that disclaimer in there. <laughs> unless your goal is to plan for planning's sake, the purpose of planning, <laughs> mostly, is not the plan itself, and that's why it doesn't matter if it has some flaws in it, if it has some uncertainty in it. As long as the plan that you create helps you take better action towards where you want to be then it's a success and the more it helps you do that the more of a success it is and that's also just on a side note how i would because before i mentioned you know how do we define how explicit your plan should be from the person who just writes down something to the professional project manager i think the metric we can use to quantify how good a type of plan is for you is how much positive action towards your goal it helps you take. So yeah, that's one answer to the question of why plan. And yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the end of my thought there. I mean, we can always cut this out. Yeah, we can, but let's not just for the just for the hell of it. Oh, just for the hell of it. Oh, yeah. damn! I was I was going to I was going like motion to kind of I'm just going to do some hand signals and some whispering so that we can then figure out how we're going to either finish this episode or move on to the next topic but since that you're leaving it in here 
I just look like a bit of a, a bit of a sausage. <laughs> a bit of a sausage. I think that we should wrap up this episode by going back to that one concept that you cut me off on before. Yes! Which is mom this? momentary versus oh, process okay. goals. And that links back to the thing that we were discussing before, the whole idea of wanting to leave, like, like assert our personhood on the universe in... Uh, to get the feedback so that we know that we exist. Exactly. And more importantly, what this was in regards to was asserting, leaving something behind from us that keeps on existing after we die. And this relates to the wider topic of momentary versus process goals. And what I mean by these terms is a momentary goal I define as something that you like achieve once and it's done. Let's say a momentary goal could be and this is really, it's a very, very like hard to traverse topic because there is a lot of overlap depending on the way you word things. But an example of a momentary goal, if worded in this way, would be, I win the Olympics. You win the Olympics, it's done, it's boom, it's gone. Now I could reword this into a process goal, which is a nice way of defining that now after, and say, I am a person who has won the Olympics, which is a state of being, right? It's a continuous state of being. Whereas I win the Olympics is something that comes and goes. Mm. Now, I would make the argument that the only goals that we can really ever reach or work towards are process goals. Because I would make the argument that the universe is not a collection of momentary happenings, but rather a continuous process. And if people say that they want to achieve something, let's say, let's take my example of I want that house there. What I really want is to have the continuous process of having that house, of being able to live in that house, of you having want the state those of amenities. Being associated that will lead to having that house. Exactly. So, truly, when we're talking about goals, the best way to think about them, the best way to model them, is to think about the state of being, like, sort of the the ex state of existence, the state of continuous existence that achieving that goal takes us to because that's what we're really after. We're not really after that thing itself because that comes, goes, fades, boom. And we all know that you can achieve no matter how good of a goal, you're, like the happiness is not going to last forever, right? It's, it's, a, it's a wave. I mean, it's well documented in sports. Exactly. Boxers become the champion of the world and then sink into a deep depression. Exactly, because it's the wrong way of modeling things. What we're really after, if, and you know, wrong, it feels, it feels wrong to say wrong, but I think it's a suboptimal way of modeling things because. <laughs> I, I like how that's your way of saying wrong in a way that's just nicer. Yeah, it's, you know, Sisner would maybe uh, come at me, but oh well. Uh, point being, for the sake of maximizing happiness, it makes more sense to model goals as a state that we're trying to achieve. And you know, we could get into the concept of an ideal calendar here. I think let's not go too deeply into it, just for the interest of time and wrapping this episode up. But every one of us is living in some, according to some schedule right now, whether that schedule be a very uh, repetitive one where we do nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, or whether it be a more open one. It's still, each one of our days can be visualized as a calendar filled with some sort of activities uh, and just states of being. 
And what we really mean by setting goals is changing that state of being. That let's 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 visualize one calendar day, right? Changing it from what it is right now to a different state where we feel like our time would be better spent. This way of living would be more enjoyable to us would meet our uh, inherent objectives better and I think this is an important why I think this is an important concept and why I wanted to bring this up before as well is that thinking about goals and modeling them in this way sort of helps you realize that it's n meaning doesn't come from achieving something and then having that last forever which is what the objection of oh we die anyways is sort of going against right meaning and why we achieve goals is to spend our lives better it's not to do something and have that last as long as possible so it it's it, it won't there's no way it will nothing will last forever heat death is coming for all of us <laughs> imminently approaching right but no meaning of setting goals and why we why we try and achieve things is to take this limited time that we have and to use it our way as, as much as we can. Best way possible. Best way possible. And that's what setting goals is about. And if you don't do that explicitly, and if you don't do that continuously and in a systematic way, then the reality is that you will look back at your life in a hundred years. Wow, that's... <laughs> very optimistic, <Damn>. right? <laughs> you will look back at your life in... A, medicine is advancing. You will look back at your life in a hundred years and you will see a bunch of calendar, calendar years, calendar days, calendar months filled with a life that is not exactly what you wanted. And I think this is what it's all about. It's about making sure that the maximum amount of the time you have in this world is spent exactly how you want it. That the maximum amount of your life is lived your way. It's that way you're on your deathbed. You're not haunted by the ghosts or what you could have been, of what you could have done, the haunting ghosts of what if. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a good point to end this, man. Yeah, hey, nice episode. And uh, I have no clue personally what we'll talk about in the next one, but I bet it will be as interesting. <laughs> Live your life your way. <laughs> <laughs>